0: About how to choose a topic for your yoga workshop, I want to invite you to grab my brand new freebie. It's a download of 100 yoga workshop ideas. You can get it at teachingyoga.net slash 100 workshops. There's also a link in the show notes for this episode. You can click that right from your podcast player. If you are listening to this episode soon after it's released in December of 2019, I also want to invite you to sign up for a free online masterclass that I'll be teaching in January, where I will share the three key elements for teaching stellar yoga workshops. Register for that at teachingyoga.net slash masterclass. If you're listening later on, that page will have a link to sign up for the waitlist so that you can be the first to know the next time I offer the masterclass. Again, that's teachingyoga.net slash masterclass. Now, let's jump into today's conversation with Chasity Burleson, a brand new yoga studio owner in Asheville, North Carolina, who wants to offer workshops to help her students go more in-depth with yoga philosophy. Let's begin just with a really quick overview of your situation, and what you'd like help with today.
1: Sure. So currently, I am the new owner of a yoga studio in Asheville, North Carolina. And what I would like to do today is talk about a beginner yoga workshop and what that needs to look like. Um, I have such a passion for yoga and my brain kind of goes in a million different directions when it comes to trying to nail down what needs to be in a beginner workshop and what that would look like structure-wise. How much philosophy do I pull in? How much anatomy and physiology really needs to be there? Just a kind of an overview. I don't want to give too much information at one time, but I want it to be super beneficial and super helpful in getting kind of an umbrella or baseline of what yoga is and not just the asana practice.
0: So what is it that inspired you to feel like a beginner yoga workshop is needed?
1: I have a lot of clients who come in or students who come into the studio who have never done yoga before, and I love those students. However, I feel like in those hour, hour and 15 minutes, even hour and a half classes, I can't really get down to the essence of what yoga is in an impactful way especially because a lot of my classes are multi-level. And so really breaking down things to a level I feel like might be more beneficial to the beginner student has just kind of become a need that I have noticed over the last few months. And have you talked
0: to these beginner students? Where do they feel there are gaps for them? Where do they struggle?
1: Some of them feel that the postures themselves. While I do cue alignment, but understanding really the benefits of those postures and really getting more in depth to what your body is doing within them. While in a class, I can't really break it down as much as I would like, I guess, to, to interrupt the flow of the class for the students who have more experience. And for others, it's more philosophy. Where, where did Ahimsa come from? What does that mean? Even though I've, I say it in the class, when I'm giving my theme, you can't really go into, you know, an in-depth understanding of what the Yamas and Niyamas are in an
0: hour and a half class. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like though, this doesn't sound like a beginner yoga workshop. It sounds like a more in-depth Yoga workshop. It sounds like the beginners are actually okay in your class. It's not like they're struggling in your class and you need to give them this workshop to help them be able to enjoy and get benefit from your class. It sounds like there are people who are coming to your studio who are like, whoa, this is really cool. I want more. And so this is what I'm hearing from you. Correct me if I'm misunderstanding, but what I'm hearing is not a beginner yoga workshop. It's not like a super. In depth yoga workshop, but the truth is that most yoga practitioners are pretty beginner on the level of philosophy, (laughs) the level of anatomy. Maybe they might be adept at the level of performance, of asana performance, but at the level of anatomy and philosophy, of understanding what the poses are doing in their bodies, most yoga practitioners are beginners. And same with philosophy. So when I hear beginner yoga workshop, what I think of is what are the very basic foundational pieces that I can give people so that they can enjoy the regular classes? But what I'm hearing from you is that you want to give them more than that. You want to go deeper. Yes, that is correct. That- Great. So talk to me more specifically about what topics are popping into your head as things that would benefit your students.
1: The yamas and the niyamas have always been kind of a passion of mine, so that is something that is a theme in my classes quite often, and that seems to be what gets a lot of questions is just those ethical principles, and then also specific benefits and specific poses, so I guess that's more anatomy-based. So when you think
0: about choosing a topic for a yoga workshop, there's some different things that need to all align in order for the workshop to be successful. It needs to be something that you are qualified to teach, that you have the credentials to teach, you have the knowledge. It also needs to be a topic that you're interested in and passionate about and, and would enjoy teaching. Right. And finally, it needs to be be a topic that your students recognize as being of benefit to them. And that third piece is often the missing piece when yoga teachers think about workshops because, for example, if you advertise a workshop on the yamas and the niyamas, it may or may not fly, but considering that you're a new, smaller yoga studio, you're asking people to take time out of their schedule to alter their habits, right? The regular class schedule, the benefit for that is people don't have to commit to it. And because it's offered at the same time every week, they can start to make it part of their habit. It's part of the fabric of their lives. Right. But a workshop is a bigger ask. You got to pay probably a little more. You got to commit upfront and it's going to be at a time that is going to, you have to remember, you have to like plan around it. It's important when you think about a workshop to make sure that whatever the topic is, that it's compelling enough for your students to actually take that action. Because there's a big difference between asking you questions during class or after class and paying you money to learn more. (laughs) Yes. And so... You and I, having studied the yamas and niyamas, we both understand that there are tremendous benefits to contemplating them and thinking about them and applying them in our lives. But I found that because it's such an inquiry-based topic, it can be difficult to translate that to people who haven't done it yet because most most yoga teachers were introduced to the yamas and niyamas in depth in their teacher training. Now, did they sign up for the teacher training to learn the yamas and niyamas? No. They signed up to get a certificate so that they would be qualified to teach yoga. Big difference. Now, I'm not saying that yamas and niyamas is not going to work, not going to fly in your community. But recognize that anybody who is not deeper into the yoga space already probably won't even know what they mean. Meaning right. that even the people who asked you questions during class, if they see a flyer that says yamas and niyamas, they'll be like, I think I've heard Chastity talking about those. Huh. And then they'll move on because when we have confusion, we tend to just move on. We don't tend to go, "Oh, I'm confused about this. I'm going to go find out more." What gets us to find out more is, "Yes, that's what I want." <laughs> right. So that's why between the two topics, if if you call a workshop posture clinic, for example, they think, "I know what posture means. I know what clinic means. I want to improve my postures. Yes, that's for me." Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So if you want to teach on the yamas and the niyamas, the first step would be to survey your students. Like maybe before class, ask them, hey guys, remember I've been talking about the yamas and niyamas? Who can tell me what they are? Who can tell me what, th- what that means? What, like just check, just see, like where are they? Do they even remember those words? Because those are words in a foreign language. Right. And so you could teach about the yamas and the niyamas, using different language to advertise, to talk about it. So you could say something like yoga philosophy foundations or yoga ethics. And here's where the question marks start coming in, because it really depends on your students. It really depends on what they're interested in and what they want out of yoga. Right. Okay. That makes sense. If you want to start with a workshop that you think is going to be more likely to fill, I would start with the posture workshop. Okay. You know, because that's, it's just very tangible. They can picture it. We'll try things. I'll get to really improve the postures that I'm struggling with. They can picture that. And then if you want, I support and would love for you to educate your community on the yamas and the niyamas and on yoga philosophy, but that's going to take more finesse. And it's going to take some conversations with your students as in finding out who is intrigued by yoga philosophy and why they're intrigued. What is it about the nuggets that you have dropped in class that have really stuck with them? And it could be that you end up teaching like on one yama or niyama, right? Right, yeah, so like a series of workshops. I like the series idea, and instead of calling it a series of workshops, I would call it a series of classes.
1: So as far as structuring goes time-wise, I guess if the structure has movement, I don't know if it's beneficial to do like 30 minutes of discussion and then an hour of hands-on or movement kind of things. I guess it depends on the type of workshop it is. And then 30 minutes of kind of feedback, follow-up question and answer, talk about the hands-on portion. Like, I guess that's what I think of when I think of structuring. Now, whether or not that's right is a question.
0: So I don't think there's right and wrong. I think that there is some ways that tend to be more effective. And there's also some trial and error in learning your own style and learning how your students learn best. I am creating a course, a online course about yoga workshops. That's part of what all of this content about workshops is feeding into. And so I go into a lot more depth in that, in that online course about how to structure a workshop that is the most potent really step-by-step. But what I'll say is it tends to be the most engaging to very the input type, and vary the movement. So it could work for sure to do a certain amount of time, like of movement, and then a certain amount of time of talking. What I find to be more powerful generally is to chunk it up even more. So you do a bit of talking and demonstrating, and then they apply that knowledge right away. In their bodies so rather than talk for 30 minutes and then apply it for an hour they can't remember they're not gonna be able to retain all the stuff that you said for 30 minutes but if you talk for five or ten minutes and then let them apply just a smaller portion they're gonna learn more that makes perfect sense that
1: sounds a lot more reasonable in teaching and applying
0: yeah yeah it's great too because people's Attention stays more engaged if you're changing the format up. So sometimes you'll have some people who have a hard time receiving information just sitting there if they're not moving. Some people are very kinesthetic learners and they need to do in order to learn. So by switching it up, you honor and you target different learning styles. And so people don't go too long without having the learning style that works best for them as part of their experience
1: makes perfect sense because as an elementary school intervention specialist i do that all day with children
0: yeah i don't know why i didn't
1: think to apply it into workshops (laughs) (laughs) the two worlds collide
0: exactly so what else about structuring a workshop do you have other questions about that
1: i don't think so i think that really it was just the timing i guess If I were to get into a specific type of workshop, maybe I would have more questions about, you know, the order in which things are done.
0: Yeah. It's nice to start with a little bit of movement, maybe, maybe a very brief intro of like, you're in the right place. Here's what today's going to look like so that they can feel relaxed, that they can anticipate what the next hour or two of their life is going to be like. And then get them moving right away, gentle movement, easy movement, just get them into their bodies before offering a lot of heady information that they'll need to think about. Okay. In general, you'll always plan more information than you need. So it's a really good idea to know ahead of time what you're going to cut out when you run out of time.
1: Ah that is an excellent tip.
0: And ultimately know what the most important thing that you'd like them to walk away with is. If you start with that and you build everything else around that, then at the end of the workshop, they will feel really confident
1: that they got it. Okay. So begin with the end, basically know what the end result is when we
0: start. Yeah. And it's not that you have to hold it back until the end, but know what you're building towards. If there's just one thing that they didn't know walking in, that they're going to know solidly walking out, what would that be?
1: That sounds great. That makes a whole lot of sense in my teacher brain. (laughs) You were saying that my first step really is to ask the questions of who is intrigued and why are they intrigued when it comes to maybe creating a more philosophy-based workshop. So that would be my first step and then determining what it is exactly that they are intrigued about using that information to then create a philosophy workshop if that's what they're after.
0: Yes. Okay. I can go into more detail on that. And that is also something that's covered in my upcoming online workshop is a system, a step-by-step guidance through, this is basically market research. And market research is a step that most yoga teachers miss just because we weren't trained. We are not business people. We don't understand market dynamics And we were not taught this in teacher training and nor should we have been because it's overkill. There's already so much to learn in teacher training, but when we are thinking about, okay, I have something that I want to offer the world, but they have to opt in, they have to pay and show up in order for me to offer it to them. We need to start understanding and learning more about business and about how to, dive into the psychology of the people we want to help in order to more effectively help them. So the way that we do that, which is kind of the most simple, obvious, and accessible is that we have conversations with people, with real people who fit the profile for the people that we think we want to help. And if you've been listening to my podcast, then you will have heard me talk about niche or specialization. And so that this is a form of that. When you're a yoga studio owner, you tend to have multiple niches, and yet it's still very powerful to focus on one at a time when you are creating promotional materials, just because the more specific your audience, the more powerful your language, your words, your message. First, what you could do for you in your situation is you just chat with people and you start to get a sense of who seems most excited about this. And maybe like you you might already know, you might can jot down a little list of like, yeah, Sally and Mary and Steve. Those are the ones who are always asking me about yoga philosophy and then find some time to sit down and and say, Hey, I want to hear from you. What, what's intriguing about yoga philosophy to you? What do you why do you think you're interested in it? And then what you're really trying to get at is what do you think the benefit to you would be from learning more about this? Do you think it would make your asana practice more authentic? Do you think it would help you experience less stress in in your life? I, I don't know what their stories are going to be that's why you have to actually ask them because from our perspective as people who've been through teacher training and have studied yoga in a more systematic way we have this perspective on the system or the the practices and the philosophy that is different from people who are just starting to be aware of it so we want to understand what their stories are and what drives them, what compels them, what intrigues them about it? And then also, is there anything that makes them nervous about it? Is there anything that repulses them or or would, would, you know, if they saw a workshop, for example, that had, are they interested in Sanskrit or does Sanskrit make them feel like there's a secret club that they'll never be a part of? And so once you start to talk to enough people you you start to see some patterns and it's those patterns that you want to pay attention to and it's those patterns that you'll use in your marketing to speak the language of the people that you're trying to reach and what that means is that the most effective marketing should feel like oh my god how did she get inside my head How does she know that I feel that way, that I want that, that, that that's a goal for me. Now they might not have that conscious thought, but Chastity, you can, you can tell me what your reaction is to this, but everybody's seen a piece of marketing that was just like me. Yes. Give me, I'm ready. Take my money. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Right. I saw a Instagram ad for a pillow that allows spooning. So it has this like structure. And so one person can put their arm under it and then the other person can lay their head on the pillow. And I was like, take my money. I want that. (laughs) Easier spooning. I'm in. It's a good thing I didn't see that because that would have been one for me as well. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the goal. Whenever you're doing marketing is to understand your people on such a deep level that it seems like your marketing is speaking directly to them. And that takes time and it takes intention. It takes a willingness to go deeper and to explore further our assumptions about what we think about our students to test those assumptions and find out what they actually feel, what, what actually motivates them. Now, we're not always self-aware enough to know what motivates us right? So your students might say, yeah, I'm totally into learning yoga philosophy. And then you put a workshop up and nobody signs up. They're like, yeah, it just didn't work for my schedule or whatever. And what they're really saying is it wasn't enough of a priority for me to actually move around what I was doing to come, right? That's what it didn't work for my schedule means. Right. Okay. Rarely, you know, does somebody have a funeral that they can't miss. Right. (laughs) Generally at the times where yoga workshops are being offered, it's like I didn't want to get up off the couch and stop watching Netflix or (laughs) I didn't want to rearrange the plans I made with my friends, which is fine. Everybody's allowed to have their priorities. But as yoga teachers, our students are very rarely as motivated by yoga as we are. (laughs) We're kind of we tend to get a little obsessed as teachers. It's important to honor and respect where our students are at in their relationship with yoga too. So does that feel like it gives you enough to go on to start that process of market research? Because it's kind of an individualized process, so you do need to kind of just see where it leads.
1: Yeah, I actually have been listening to your podcast for a long time and did the did this with my students in terms of me as a teacher and what they were getting, why they loved coming to me to learn what my niche was. Mm -hmm. So I just need to reapply that in workshops and in studio ownership as well.
0: (laughs) Tell me what you learned from doing that.
1: So I learned that my students resonated with me as a teacher was my ability to bring philosophy in, in an accessible way. That's, the wording that kept coming up when I was asking them or having conversations around what it was that kept drawing them back to me as a teacher and found that my niche at the time, obviously it's grown more since, or like you said, as a yoga studio owner, I have multiple niches now, but my core base of students are students who are newer to the philosophy aspect of yoga, whether they've been practicing asana for 20 years as a physical exercise, for lack of a better word, but tiptoeing into understanding
0: yoga on a deeper level. Awesome. So that bodes well for your thought about teaching a yama and niyama workshop. Another thing to ask the people when you have these updated conversations is whether it would be more appealing to do one longer session or to do a series where they get to dive even deeper into the topic but over a period of time okay and you can also ask them how long would they be willing to commit to that can be really good information too to help you know how to structure it because you know if the majority of your people are saying I really don't see, and you can tell them, right, give them kind of like a hint, um, this would probably be a mixture of movement and talking. Um, Because if people think that it's going to be three hours of talking, they might give you a different answer than if they know that there will be some different ways of engaging and that they'll get to move their bodies. The other cool thing about doing this type of a project of doing the market research is that those people you talked to will have a stronger understanding of what you're trying to offer because you'll have had a long conversation about them. And they're often the very first people to sign up for the workshop because they feel invested.
1: Right. Now that's a great idea.
0: Do you have any last questions before wrapping up?
1: No, I think we we covered a lot of information, and I think it was very very beneficial to me.
0: I hope that you'll stay in touch and that you'll come onto the yoga teacher resource Facebook group and let us know how it all goes. Absolutely. Thank you, Chastity. Thank you so much. I love the chance to get a peek into the world of another yoga teacher and how they think and what they're struggling with. So I hope you feel the same way. I hope you enjoy these on-air coaching calls as much as I do. If you would like more information and more support in teaching your own workshops, I've got two more episodes in this series on yoga workshops on the podcast coming your way and a masterclass. The Three Keys to a Stellar Yoga Workshop happening in January. So if you're listening to this in real time and you haven't signed up yet, go ahead and go to teachingyoga.net slash masterclass. And even if you can't make it for the live class, there will be an opportunity to get a replay for a limited time. You'll also want to download the 100 Yoga Workshop Ideas PDF, which will get your creative juices flowing and help you come up with your own workshop topic. Even if you're all jazzed up about preparing for your workshop, make sure you're building in time for self-care and for your personal practice. I'll see you again next week for the third episode in this series on yoga workshops.